Al Jazeera podcast. Hi, Malika here. This week, we're looking back at some of the stories that have shaped 2023. And one of those stories was the coup in Niger in July, followed quickly by the coup in Gabon a month later. Both countries had a demand for France, their former colonizer. It's time to leave. We spoke to Al Jazeera correspondent Ahmed Idris about the protests in Niger that eventually led to French military forces leaving the country. We're airing that conversation from September 5th today. A heads up, none of the dates or other references have been changed. Horns and whistles, the sounds of demonstrators in Niger. They've been camped outside a French military base there for days. And they want the French to leave after years of intervention in West Africa. We want that they leave immediately, immediately, now, immediately. If they don't leave, if they don't leave, we will stay today, we will stay tomorrow and every day. The protesters say they won't go until the French do. As for the French, President Emmanuel Macron sees Niger and the region a little differently. If France had not intervened, he said recently, we would not be talking today about Mali or Burkina Faso or Niger. These states would no longer exist today within their territorial limits. I can tell you that for sure. The military government that deposed Niger's president in July has already called for France's ambassador to leave the country. France ignored their deadline, and it continues to support the deposed president, still under house arrest by the military. I think that our policy is correct. It is based on the courage of President Bazoum, on the commitment of our diplomats and our ambassador, who will stay despite pressure and despite illegal claims of authority, as well as on the efforts of our internal security forces and our army. So what's next for Niger? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We're speaking to Al Jazeera correspondent Ahmed Idris. The last time we checked in with him, he was attempting to make his way into Niger. I traveled by road uh, with only the accreditation in my hands. I traveled, I covered more than 1,100 kilometers to get to Niamey from Nigeria. And it was sort of really, really tiring. And immediately I got here, it was work, 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 work all through. And it still is, by the way. Now he's in the capital. The protesters, the pro-coup supporters started gathering in numbers. They marched towards the military base in a place called Escadri, close to the airport. And that's where an estimated 1,500 French troops are sort of living at the moment. These include, of course, the French troops who were withdrawn from Mali after Mali sent them out. Niger's new government has canceled multiple military and defense agreements with France. But the base is still open. 
there are several agreements. Some of them will lapse in three months, some of them in five months from now. They basically will want to hold on until the last of such agreement expires and the military junta doesn't approve of it. And the base, it's worth noting, is also still defended by Nigerian security. So the protesters took it upon themselves to put pressure on the French so that they can leave the country. One of the agreements actually ended on Saturday, the 2nd of September. And that was when we saw a lot of people, we're talking about thousands of people, converged on the military base called Escadri. They tried to forcefully enter the military base. The protest was supposed to have started in the afternoon, late afternoon. However, the protesters started gathering as early as 9.30 GMT, and that took the security forces by surprise. So before the security forces realized it, they were marching onto the military camp itself, despite the barricades. They pushed through and they were held back after some scuffles and uh, some intervention by the protest organizers. But uh, what we saw on Saturday was really, really unprecedented since the coup started on the 26th of July. The protesters say that France's military presence in Niger, meant to fight armed groups in the region, has done little to stem the violence. They also say French exploitation of Niger's resources doesn't benefit locals. What they told us, and they keep telling us, is that they want the French out. We've come here again to reiterate our opposition to the presence of French military bases in Niger. We're asking the French ambassador to leave our country with all of its military bases. We don't need them. We don't want them anymore. Remove them from our country. The military junta here asked the ambassador to leave. They gave him 48 hours, but the French said they do not recognize the authority of the junta because it's not a democratically elected government. The protesters also see hope in the example of France removing its military from other former colonies, such as neighboring Mali and Burkina Faso, which have had their own military coups in recent years. One of them interestingly told me that why did the French, when Mali asked the French to leave Mali, they left without much protest in Burkina Faso when they were asked to leave, they left without any fuss. But why are they insisting on staying or remaining in Niger? That question I couldn't answer. But again, uh, the French insisted they're not going anywhere. And that, Ahmed says, gets back to the complaint of the protesters. How does the French presence benefit the people in Niger? The basic complaint of protesters, especially coup supporters, is that for 13 years, this country was struggling with attacks by armed groups like Boko Haram, armed groups on the border with Mali and Burkina Faso, allied to Al-Qaeda and ISIL. And there wasn't much the French did in ending these attacks. So they were like, they can't understand this. Despite its military presence, uh, hundreds of troops in Niger, and of course, the military powers, its communication, its uh, military might and equipment, They can't understand why the French couldn't help them deal with these problems. We don't want Macaroni anymore, or whatever his name is. I don't even care to know his name. We need another type of base here. For example, Russia. May Russia come here and support us. We need Russia. 
And we're also praying a lot for our brothers and sisters in arms, the Niger Armed Forces. May God help them to fight these traitors who have terrorized us for so many years. Secondly, they're also talking about the economy. Remember, the French have been mining uranium in this country for more than half a century. It was the EU's second largest supplier of natural uranium in 2022, with a share of 25% after Kazakhstan. It has some of the world's biggest deposits of uranium, a key ingredient in the nuclear industry. One protester in particular told me that go to the area where they're mining uh, uranium. There's nothing there. Uh, no, ro no good roads, no electricity, water supply, even uh, the basics in life. They said the French keep making profit, keep taking these resources out of the land, and the government sees only a little bit of it. As for French President Macron, he's apparently staying involved on a daily basis. He has said that he speaks to the deposed president every day while he's under house arrest. The deposed president actually is still held by the military. I think what they're trying to do is they want to keep him as long as they can until the threat of military force is eliminated completely because we understand that he's still being kept at the presidential palace where the military junta leader is also living. So basically, if any operation, military operation is carried out on the presidential palace, then the life of the uh, deposed president is also at risk. So Macron said he keeps talking to him on a daily basis. But the question people keep asking is that why are the phone lines still open, phone lines to Bazoum still open, that Macron was getting access to him? And how come the military didn't act on it? It's been long since we heard any report from his doctors or people who visited him, but we understand that he's keeping well. So basically, it's still a wait-and-see game, actually. Playing that wait-and-see game on the ground as a reporter has not been easy. Ahmed says anti-French sentiment has manifested itself against media as well. Basically, there are restrictions. In terms of talking to military personnel, Nobody wants to talk to the media. Nobody wants to give you any information unless it's necessary. And uh, you get stopped by the security forces when you move around and when they suspect that you are a foreigner, and especially if you don't have accreditation. And, for example, journalists from countries considered hostile by the junta, we're talking about countries like France, like Nigeria, Ivory Coast, and all that are not trusted. In fact, in the early days of the coup, uh, two French outlets, uh, the RFI and France Linkart, France 24, were sort of shut down in Niger. So it's still uh, a little bit difficult, but I see things easing up a little bit. I think there's been some trust uh, that journalists need to be given the free hand to do their job. So... We move freely at, at the moment. So what challenges do the country's new leaders face? That's after the break. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates 
and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. Against the backdrop of tensions, Nigerians are increasingly suffering. Al Jazeera correspondent Ahmed Idris says sanctions are biting hard. We're talking about a country that is largely dependent on foreign aid, uh, foreign assistance, both in terms of food and finances. Then within a short time, the economic community of West African states, that's the regional bloc, ordered that all business, commercial, financial transactions between ECOWAS member countries and Niger be shut down. Also, the borders must be shut down for exports and imports. So that leaves Niger with only few options. The option of Mali, which is also a landlocked country, and Burkina Faso. Now, to import stuff or foodstuff or other materials, medicines, construction equipment, everything that they need from these two countries or from Algeria is so expensive because of the distance. But in particular, Mali and Burkina Faso are very dangerous places. On the border with Niger, armed groups are operating. So about two weeks ago, more than 300 trucks were sort of stranded at the border between Mali and Burkina Faso, but they couldn't get into Niger simply because of the security concerns here. Eventually, security forces of the three countries, Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger itself, had to escort them using military aircraft, armored personnel carriers, and troops on the ground to sort of escort these trucks into Niger. It took them days to get to the capital. And all those perishable goods that were in there are considered gone. Now, because of that, the inflation in this country is rising to a level that the ordinary Nigerian cannot afford to buy enough food to feed his family. And apart from that, when ECOWAS announced a raft of sanctions against Niger, Nigeria, which was the main supply of electricity to Niger, switched off and cut electricity supply to Niger. Right now, the biggest problem is when will these sanctions end and for how long will they be in place? Is the economy strong enough to deal with that? Because there are still people who have not been paid their salary for the month of August. So it's really, really difficult for people to get paid and to get food on the table. These are problems the country's new rulers will have to navigate. But for now, Ahmed says there appears to be no serious threat to their authority within Niger. Looks like the junta is in control. But you see, the history of coups in Africa has not always been that rosy for whoever is there, because you seize power today and you're not sure what's going to happen next. So the military junta here has the support of people, especially here in the capital. The opposition has gone underground. And France is the main suspect now, whatever happens to the military. And it's being seen as a major threat to the existence of the military junta here, uh, especially the presence of 1,500 French troops on Niger soil and refusing to leave with their expertise, with their equipment and training. Anything that will happen when you talk to activists and analysts here, they say 
anything that will threaten the government will have to come from the French and not from economic community of West Africa state, which said it is open to using force to restore democracy in Niger, but also given priority to dialogue. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by David Enders and Amy Walters, with Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, Veronisa Campana, Khaled Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Sonia Bagat, Zaina Badr, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>